Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney. We got Sal Spice, Ron Saw, and Yannick Eckhart from Germany. The Vikings have formally entered the offseason. We had a end of season press conference from the team's leaders, Quasi Dafamensa and Kevin O'Connell. And the t- they finished seven to ten. Didn't make it to the postseason. They were one six and four, finished the season one and six. So we are in full offseason mode. And I'm going to ask the group tonight uh, what the path forward might be, what they think about Kirk returning, and then kind of talk about the top offseason priority and each each one of the panel's opinions. First, though, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. When the NFL playoffs, they're here they're right around the corner. Uh, we've got the NBA in full swing as well. BetOnline has you covered for all of the last, the up-to-minute uh, odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and information from both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information at any time. Head there today and get into the action and see all of the updated odds. Remember to use this promo code BLEAV, believe BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. It is the off season and we are believing Vikings. We're going to start to decompress. We're going to, basically leaving 2023 in the rear view. I'm going to pull full pivot to the off season. Got most of the gang with. We think Sally's going to join. We shall see. We've got some general questions tonight for the group. Ron, I'm going to start with you. You can either be as brief or as detailed as you like. I wanted to ask you this. What is the path forward for the Minnesota Vikings? I think primarily just get healthy. Um, I think that was a, a big downfall to the season because um, once it, whenever they started to get things rolling, something would happen. Um, whether it was, you know, Cam Akers started to look good and he goes down. Jefferson, he goes down. Kirk goes down. Um, so just getting healthy. And then obviously a topic will always be finding, figuring out the quarterback position. Um, and I know, you know, you're probably on the same boat as me where I'm all for bringing back Kirk. Um, who knows what the plat, what the path forward is for the successor or for the draft picks. But uh, I mean, I like to think that we're in a pretty good spot in the off season um, with all the turmoil they went through this year and to be able to kind of turn the page on that and kind of get back to, all right, if we do what we're supposed to do, um, you know, fix the fumbling that they had, um, they should be uh, in that competitive rebuild, which is what, you know, Quasi spoke about. So, um, I mean, I have faith in the process as far as what, is coming um, as far as impending free agents and stuff like that. So, um, but it's a long road. We have a, uh, you know, months before or a couple months before free agency, then another couple months before the draft. And um, then, I mean, we're not the only team that has answers or that has questions. Um, so they'll figure it out, um, but it'll be fun to kind of see how it transpires. Bryant, the next several weeks for Vikings football, the big talker will be whether or not Cousins returns or not. Uh, he is scheduled to hit free agency in two months. And in theory, the Vikings could bring him back for a year or two. We've also got to sign Justin Jefferson and our guy, Christian Derisov, who's been on the show before. What do you think the path forward is, Bryant? Do you think that they should re-sign Cousins or start fresh with the rookie? What do you got? I was going to ask you guys, what do y'all think um, would be the goal with the first pick in the draft? Like, what do you think they'll go after? Well, if you want my answer, uh, it is beyond the shadow of a doubt a quarterback. Uh, because, okay. yeah, my opinion, I'll, I'll give my two cents here, is that they brought 
Crazy Dauphin and Kevin O'Connell of Minneapolis to change the culture and change things. And if they're not going to draft a quarterback now, then when the hell are you going to do it? Um, I understand. Right. I understand that Cousins is productive and whatnot, but he will turn <laughs> 36, and there's a history of dudes slowing down at that age, especially a quarterback coming off the Achilles. And I just, even if they want to bring back Kirk, which it sounds like they want to, that's fine. But uh, I think they should do both. If that is the mindset, still draft a quarterback. Um, might even have to trade up to get the guy that they want. Is that what you're thinking too, Bryant? Or would you rather that's just definitely what I was thinking at yeah. a certain point? It's like you had to start preparing to get like a quarterback in there. I mean, you keep bringing back Kurt and giving all these different chances. And I feel like it's almost like a safety net for everybody to say, like, we're kind of comfortable with Kurt and almost scared to try somebody new. But at a certain point, you have to try somebody new or get some some type of change to take place because Kurt can't play that position but so much longer. Yep, he will be 36 in August. And whether or not that's with the Vikings or the Falcons, that's another team that's kind of hot in the rumor mill if he does leave. Uh, so I'm where I'm at is... Either way, whatever they want to do, if they want to extend Kirk for a year or two, I fully understand that. If if he doesn't fit in the budgetary plans, uh, I would love to start with, let's say it's Jaden Daniels, because then you'll have this precious window where he'll be cheap. Justin Jefferson will be expensive. Jordan Addison will be cheap. Hawkinson's here for four more years. And then the goal would be, you, you know, you win the chip in that time frame. Uh, Yannick. I've told you off air that if Cousins departs, I really have no major qualm with it because I know that a rookie quarterback will be coming. What what about you? What's your path forward for the Vikings? Uh, my path is they they got to draft a quarterback, whether they they bring back Kirk or let him depart. Um, I don't know, but they got to draft the quarterback to be prepared for the future. And this is the year they have. The 11th overall pick, that's the highest pick they've had in a while. Um, and it's a good draft class to, to need a quarterback with like four or five, six guys looking pretty good. So I think they this is the year they should target a quarterback. I don't know if they have to trade up for one or just take whoever is available, but I think they, they really need to get one this year. At 7-10, and 10, um, this might be the bottom floor where the Vikings are going to get with Kirk as quarterback. I mean, he missed half the season. And if your plan is to keep him, do the competitive rebuild thing, I don't know that you're ever going to get a draft pick this high. Again, that is my uh, ringing endorsement for whatever you have to do to get your quarterback. And I, I've said this on the show before. I'm going to reiterate it. If you have to trade up you know, using a first rounder or two or however many you need, it really doesn't matter all that much because if the guy is good and he is your franchise quarterback, like Justin Herbert or something, nobody will care. And then uh, if it turns out he's like Christian Ponder, by the time that pain is over, your draft picks are going to be returning anyway. Um, so I have I have no problem with Quasi deciding on which guy he and Kevin O'Connell want and then, you know, trading, trading the farm, so to speak, for, you know, Drake May or whoever it may be. Today, Ron, at the press conference, uh, predictably, a reporter asked Quasi uh, about Kirk, and he said the, the standard line that they've all said, the Wilfs and Kevin O'Connell for the last year, we definitely want Kirk back. Uh, but then Quasi also said, it, but his job is to protect the franchise so that it kind of sounds like he's not going to unload, you know, hey, here's $45 million per year. What do you make of the his, his dual answer of we want him back, but I'm going to protect this franchise? I mean, I feel like that's been his MO since he took over. It's, you know, whether it's right or wrong, but like talking out of both sides of the mouth, trying to keep all avenues 
open. It was with the Dalvin Cook situation with, um, you know, even now with Kirk and even last year with Kirk, it's kind of been the same thing. Like you don't want to burn a bridge, but you also have to be able to set yourself up. I think Kirk fully understands that as well from his side. Like, and I don't think he takes offense to any of it. I, I, you know, I think that it's clear that he's wanted to some extent and he wants to be here to an extent as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's the general GM speak. It's, you know, they ask the questions and, you know, they're not going to just flat out give an answer, but you know, they don't, the ownership, the general manager, they're not sending him out there to blow the Gallahorn, you know, shirtless against the division rival um, unless they have, they have it in their mind that they would like him back again at what price tag. I don't know. There's a lot that other that needs to be figured out. Uh, but yeah, also to your point, it's, we pick 11. There's, it's a deep quarterback draft. Like in you, you're not, you may not get one of those top two guys in Caleb Williams or Drake may who's NFL ready. Now you may have to take a guy that is going to need a year or two to develop, you know, a la Patrick Mahomes. Um, so we're kind of set up in that situation like the, how the chiefs were, where they have a veteran who is fully capable, you know, no signs of slowing down as of yet. Um, and, but you can also use that capital and get the guy that you want. And I've been saying that all year long, like I'm all for doing that, but I also don't want them to stand pat at 11 and take the fifth best quarterback or that's there just yeah. because if that's the case, then take the best defensive player, take, you know, the Dallas Turner, take Kool-Aid McKinnistry. Like, you know, again, how cool would that be just to have a, you know, Kool-Aid on your team, purple Kool-Aid, like just goes with, with the team. So, um, but again, there's also, there's going to be a quarterback that goes in the second or third round, whether that's a Spencer Rattler, whether that is, you know, bone, someone's going to fall, whether it's Penix, McCarthy, one of these guys. So unless you get one of those top three, you can always use your draft picks and get one of those guys. Again, I think they have that plan in place. Um, but we'll see what happens at the combine pro days, um, and go from there. But, uh, I think it's going to kind of be foot in both camp. Um, once the free agency period, um, gets underway on Quazy's words, the way that he speaks kind of saying two things or speaking diplomatic diplomatically, I want to point out that that's his job. Um, you know, when a reporter asks him, you need a quarterback in first round, is that your plan? If he came out and said, yes, we're getting a quarterback. Well, he's he's screwed all elements of surprise and his leverage as a trader of assets. So if you ever watch those press conferences and think that he's dancing, that's why he works here is because he has the ability to verbally dance when asked those questions, um, especially about the draft or, you know, about what's he, what's he going to target in free agency. You got to keep that shit quiet. Uh, you know, it's the element of surprise. Brian, all of the team's leaders have consistently said that they want cousins back. Now it sounds like you're, you're, you'd be content with them not bringing him back and moving on to a youngster with the affordability of a rookie contract. Would you be cool with them doing both signing cousins for two or a year and 35 million and then drafting a guy too, so that he sits and watches? Like I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, I would be okay with them doing a year, not two, not coming to two, but a year. And, um, bringing somebody else new on board so they can kind of watch and, like, learn behind them for the year, mm-hmm. especially a first-round draft pick. Like, you don't need two years to sit behind somebody. Mm-hmm. You need a year, maybe even half the season, you know, and put them in there and get them, you know, some live actions to see how it was going because that's, like, now your new investment. Um, So I would be okay with bringing somebody in and let, you know, let that new guy learn from a veteran who's been there and knows the ropes and, you know, kind of give him some knowledge before, you know, he's heads out. And I'd be 
willing to say that's probably the most likely option that's going to happen of all this stuff we're chatting about and all the stuff we're going to continue to chat about on this show is in all likelihood, they're probably going to find a way to meet in the middle with cousins for a year or two and then draft, you know, whoever it is. Um, if, if the plan is to have the guy wait, then you really could draft like JJ McCarthy. Cause that guy's 20 years old right now. And, you know, just won a national championship. And by the time Kirk's ready to ride off in the sunset, boom, uh, he'd be ready. You might even be able to trade back and, and still get McCarthy or trade back into the first round. Like Rick Spielman used to do, uh, Yannick, we've kind of covered the basis on this question. Um, when Quasi talks about protecting the franchise or just, he kind of sounded like he had more of a sense of urgency, this press conference than he usually did. What did you make of that? And his notion of wanting Kirk, back but also wanted to be a protectorate of his uh his vikings yeah i i feel like protecting the franchise means in this case um not giving kirk a long-term contract not signing him to three years and let's say 45 million a year and watch him decline while under contract um he's protecting he has to protect the franchise for uh in that case um Meanwhile, Kirk probably wants a long-term contract. He wants guaranteed money. He has shown that over and over again. I guess they they have to find common ground somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's two years instead of one like Crazy wants and three like Kirk wants. I don't know. But I don't I don't think money is really the problem here. I think it's structure, it's it's uh, contract duration, it's guaranteed money. I think that's what but in the end, uh, decides if, if Kirk comes back or not. A lot of talk has since the season ended on Sunday afternoon. Um, and this this was going on a couple of weeks ago as well. A lot of talk has been like, well, maybe Cousins will come back on a hometown discount or maybe he'll take a team friendly deal. I want to point out to listeners and viewers that when you hear team friendly discount for a quarterback in 2024, that means about 35 million bucks. I think for some reason we still have this mindset like, hey, he'll come back for 10 or 15 mil. And that flat out is not going to happen. So I hope when people hear team friendly deal and quarterback speak, especially for cousins, when Daniel Jones, Ron will tell you about it, got that infamous $40 million per year deal that set the entry level. And so anything Kirk text takes less than 40 million or right at 40 million that that, you know, that should be considered humanitarian if you can believe that. Um, all right, so we we know that they have to address quarterback. It's the first foremost domino of the offseason, and it kind of has felt that way for the last three offseasons. Like, are they going to keep Kirk or not? Um, and then they also have to re-sign Justin Jefferson and Dan- Daniel Hunter. I think that's a no-brainer. But after those items, Ron, what is the top offseason priority? For me, it's bringing back Dalton Reisner. Um, yeah. Like, after those guys, I think he... <clears throat> was everything that you could ask for in stabilizing that um, that offensive line. Um, obviously, you're set at the bookends with Darisaw and O'Neal. And Ed Ingram, like, you know, I was ready to rip on him any single time I get every chance I got, but he played extremely well, I thought, um, you know, as the season progressed. And then Garrett Bradbury. So, um, again, once the Bryant knows, once you get that stability on the offensive line, the continuity is huge. So bringing back Reisner, I think that would be great. He didn't allow a sack all year, and um, that would keep the offense as intact as possible because you have the weapons, keep the whatever they do at quarterback, you you know, maybe – improve the running game because you can't really get any worse than what you were this year. Um, and then the rest is all defense. Um, every free agent dollar, every 
draft pick outside of quarterback should all be defense. Um, you know, and I don't care if you're taking cornerbacks, like with the first five picks, I don't care. Cause you throw five darts, you're going to hit on a couple of them. Hopefully like you can't miss that bad on a, uh, on a bunch of stuff. So I just don't want them to get in the mode of uh, past draft history and letting, letting that dictate what happened now. So um, yeah, the Reisner top priority and then defense after that. Uh, Bryant, so in the seasons where you didn't participate in the postseason, uh, right after your regular season ends, do you do like uh, introspective as a player to try to figure out what you could do better? Or are you just happy to be done for a while? Walk us through what you might do in January when the season ends. Um, Start packing up your house. <laughs> you start worrying about what you could do better. Um. I mean, because you can't really correct it because the season's over. So you start to me, I feel like when you start working out for the, um, like in April, the, come back for the off-season workout, that's when you kind of start gearing up and thinking about those areas where you need to get better at. And when you start training and working then, that's when you start working on those areas. Because, I mean, right now, you're not back, you're not back on a football field to the mi- middle of April, I guess, or not even a football field, but you're not even back in the facility to like around April 15th, mid-April. So at this point, you just got to pack up and close in your house. Or if you don't stay in Minnesota year-round, close up your house and go back home and make sure you keep your heat on so your pipes don't burst <laughs> like mine did one year. <laughs> what about uh, – so it sounds but Yeah, like- um, and just not making the playoffs. It's different when you make the playoffs. Like you, There's a little more like uh, disappointment. But not making the playoffs, you're kind of just like, oh, we didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But to actually get in the playoffs and then, like, you should realize you're only a couple of games away from the Super Bowl, it's like a little, to me, I feel like it's a little worse. It's like a little worse feeling leaving. Because each game, you never know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's different. But towards the end of the season, you kind of have an idea, like, if you're going to make the playoffs or not. So it's just like, okay, let's see how we can prepare. Like, at a certain point, especially if you already know the last game, you're not going to make the playoffs. A lot of guys play this so they don't get injured, so they don't have to stay up there and, and do rehab. So... <laughs> You're not getting the best effort out of a lot of guys because they don't want to get injured the last game and they already know they're not making the playoffs. So that's kind of like the mindset. So if you have, do you ever have any injury over the offseason that you had to rehab for? Like, yeah, I had um my in 07, my meniscus, and um I must have kept playing through the whatever we played San Diego. I don't know if that was towards the end of the season, like 07. Um, I took my meniscus in that game and. Somehow, I kept playing, and then I had the surgery when the season was over. Is it like how bad does that suck? Like to have to go through all the rehab process and everything in the off season? Like that's your time that you're supposed to be able to enjoy. Your time with your recovery. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you want to focus on that because you want your mobility and everything, you know, kind of be back intact. But um, I mean, this slows you down for a little bit. But for a meniscus. <clears throat> It's like a six to eight week, you know, window of, you know, you have to recover and stuff. I hate rehab. I hate a rehab, though. It's like, I don't feel like you ever come back to that, like how you originally were anyway. The scar tissue and stuff, you know? Yeah. But it's, yeah, I try to do my best. In these uh, three months, I mean, do you, do you go out and travel the world? Do you hang out and party? Do you still lift weights and stuff? What do you do between mid-January um, and April or May? January, 
you're probably just getting settled back home, a little bit of workouts. You're going to probably definitely start working out in March because it gets closer to you having to go back in, in April. So you may take a trip here and there. A lot of people flock to Miami or Houston because it's, it's warm those time of years, um, especially if they come from cold places, and hang out. And a lot of guys are working out. I see now a lot of guys are working out together more now than they were in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys come to and work with certain trainers together. But, uh, yeah, so to me, it seems like a lot more guys are actually working out a lot more all year round. Okay. <clears throat> Yannick, Yannick, we know the Vikings have to address Cousins, have to re-sign Jefferson, and hopefully Daniil Hunter. Other than those biggies, what is the top offseason priority in your eyes? Um, I think they really need to address the interior defensive line. They need someone who can rush the passer. It's Harrison Phillips, who's a run stopper. It's Tonga, it's it's Bullard, Lowry, all these guys, they can stop the run, but they can get after the passer in, in multiple statistics. Vikings are dead last in in pass rush metrics. It's it's really bad from the interior. And I think they, they gotta address it at some point. Ron, we, we all kind of talked about the defense there, at least momentarily. Um, in the first three games of the season, the Vikings defense ranked near the bottom of the NFL. And then almost like with the snap of two fingers, they became elite for 10 games. And then the fourth quarter of the Bengals game hit and they decided, you know, we're going back to how we were. And so it was like this weird, this weird curve. Which version of the defense is more indicative of what it can be under Brian Flores? Do you expect it like, hey, once we get rolling here in September, we assume they'll sign a couple free agents, maybe draft some dudes. Are you excited about the trajectory or are you you nervous that they collapse down the stretch? No, I am definitely excited because I think, yes, the first few games, there was a learning curve of learning Brian Flores' defense. Um, but then I think the latter quarter of the year, like injuries just started to pile up. Um, I mean, even when they got Hicks back, um, like cornerbacks started to drop, um, you know, it's across the board. It's, uh, it, it, it's hard to ask, you know, Makai Blackman and, um, these other young guys, um, to go out and make impactful plays, um, in learning that type of defense. So, um, I trust that going forward that they're going to add the pieces. I, I fully agree with Yannick that the front, um, needs to be upgraded. Um, I mean, we legitimately have one viable starter on that front and that's Phillips. The rest are, I'm actually surprised that our run defense held up the way that it did for most of the year, because you don't have those. It's not like the, you know, the Ravens or Steelers where you always have these big nasties up front that are just going to let the linebackers do work. I can't wait to see what Ivan Pace does with an adequate D line in front of him. Like he's, his, he's so fast and he's so physical that give him those guys up front um, to let him not, not saying he's Ray Lewis, but I remember Ray Lewis had once said like when it was Sam Adams and Tony Syracuse in front of him, when they went to a four, three for one year, then back to the three, four, whatever, he was ecstatic about having those guys in front of him. So um, allow the guys to make plays behind them. And I think the, the secondary will, will improve because Cam Bynum and Josh Natalis were fantastic this year. And, you know, like the other guys, there's room for improvement, um, whether it's a Caleb Evans or uh, even Andrew Booth had some bright spots. But, um, you know, they're going to bring in guys um, and whether that's bringing back Murphy. Uh, but once they lost him, too, like it was uh, pretty significant on the back end. Mm-hmm. And uh, notably, <clears throat> last offseason, so kind of the remnants of Rick Spielman's um, budget, the Vikings started it on this day. 
with negative 24 million in the red. If you pulled up over the cap one years ago today, over the cap.com, you'd see that bright red letters. Uh, and now uh, they're at 37 million in the green. And if you know anything about the way the Vikings do contracts, if need be, that could probably inflate to like 60 or 70 million. Uh, so they have money to spend this offseason. It doesn't feel like we've had that in about 10 years. Uh, Brian, we were talking about Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator, probably will be back. I don't know that he will um, interview for any head coaching jobs this cycle. And I've asked you this before, but let me ask you again so you can reiterate to our listeners. Uh, how much does the continuity of a scheme, whether on your case on offense or on defense, is a, a year two of a guy? Is that is that a big damn deal? Oh, uh, yeah. Year two, you're definitely more comfortable with the scheme and, and play calling. So the change is like, why, especially if they execute it pretty well, I would think that I would keep them and let them continue to grow in that scheme and get used to that um you know, that coordinator. So if they don't feel like there's a reason to change it, why Yeah, why do it? I don't think, well, they'd certainly keep him. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, he would interview for the Patriots job. If that comes open, where Bill Belichick's okay. like the last decision to be made. And Brian Flores spent 15 years in New England. And I think a lot of us have thought, well, if that job comes open, he'll probably go interview for it. But then Mike Vrabel's available now. And uh, he has... Uh, more head coaching experience than Flores, so he could also get that job. Uh, Yannick, which version of the Vikings' defense was closer to the truth, or at least what we can expect next year, assuming they're going to add personnel? Um, should we be optimistic that during the middle of the season, it was pretty damn good? I think it's it's right in the middle. Um, personnel is... I think personnel is better than some people think, but it's not it's still not good by any means. Um, don't think they they are as good as they were in that middle stretch. They were just awesome and ten points, fourteen points on average. Um, but also, I don't think they are as bad as they were in the last three games, three four games where they were really awful. So I guess it's it's somewhere in the middle. And it depends on who they can bring in in the off season on. Uh, on the defense, if Daniel Hunter comes back, if they can find another defensive tackle, um, maybe upgrade corner the cornerback room. I don't know. Um, I think it's somewhere in between. In between, you should expect them to to be an average defense again. And we hope that it's better. And that would that would you know need some free agent assets and growth from some of the youngsters. Maybe even Lewis Seen or Andrew Booth. Uh, who knows? All right. The last question I got for you guys is one that's close to home. Ron, do you think Jared Allen will get into the Hall of Fame? He's a finalist. I, I he I think he will. Um, this year, I, I haven't seen the list of who the finalists are. Um, it's hard because. I, I think he should be in, like especially if Demarcus Ware is in. Um, there's no reason Jared Allen shouldn't be because he was right there um, as far as numbers and impact, um, as far as all that goes. Um, but you know, again, we went through the list of 15 names, you know, a couple weeks ago, and there's a lot of names on there that I know some of those older guys um, may, um, like they may get sympathy votes in let's say um but he's definitely deserving um i know when we had him on a few years back um it was on the the weekend before his like where he found out on his first time ballot and Mm -hmm. he seemed uh very well self-aware on kind of the process and there's nothing more he can do about it and 
Um, I'm hoping he gets in because that'll be a nice um, a nice boom for the for the Vikings fandom um, over the offseason. Jared Allen on the the all time list of sacks, so the one that actually is tabulated from the beginning of time, not just the since 1980 bullshit one. Uh, Jared Allen ranks 16th all time, and so. I don't know what more he would need to do to convince the committee. I mean, there are dudes like uh, Ricky Jackson, um, Carl Eller even had less sacks than Jared Allen. It's it's not like this fringe territory about, well, 16th best all time. Like every guy in front of him on the sack list that is eligible is in. Uh, and I don't know why it's been such this, this mystery over the past few years. Uh, so, Brian, your homie Jared Allen, is this the year for him? It should be. Um, I feel like he... Or, or the organization has allowed those other people who may have been waiting a little longer than him to go in. Now, it's like he's waited his turn. It should be time for him to finally get his name pulled. Yeah, and the it, other part of it too that the year that he had twenty two sacks, um, like not crapping on the year that you guys had, but you guys were a bad team that year, Brian. Like, and he I don't even went think out. Brian and, was on that team. Like, or no, was that the no? That's right. That was the year after. Yeah, Brian the, was already or, gone. That's probably why yeah, they were so okay, shitty. So yeah. Yeah, maybe we had no <laughs> offensive tackle, but uh, I mean, you look at the Strahan sack record where he's gifted a sack from Favre, whereas Jared Allen's going out there in what a three-four win season or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and getting numbers like that. Like that to me was more impressive than you know. It's one thing to be a great dominant player when you're ahead in games. Like I know Dwight Freeney obviously was always on those Peyton Manning led teams where they, they would always say him and Robert Mathis pin their ears back and they just go after the quarterback. So um, to be able to get 22 sacks in 16 games and while trailing in most of those games is a, uh, to me is a, uh, is an impressive feat. Brandon, we haven't talked to Jared in about three years. I wonder if he, if he joined again sometime. It's been that long. Yeah, it really has. Uh, I think it was, oh. Um, you were on the show by then, Ron, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was like, it was crazy and Sally. whatever year. Yeah, whatever year he is in eligibility of the Hall of Fame. That was his first year that okay. that we had him on because it was right that weekend or that week right before he found yeah. out. Yeah, I think it's three and a half years. You should see if he ever wants to come back on, Brian. That'd be co- be cool to talk to him. Now he's he's pretty vocal as of late on other shows about Kirk not coming back. He's ready to move on from Kirk, so we could pick his okay. brain about that. <laughs> Yeah, so hit him up. See if he wants to re- uh, join us. Uh, Yannick, I'll ask you. Uh, I kid you not. On the all-time sack leaderboard, Jared Allen ranked 16th, and the only guys who are not in the hall ahead of him on that list are Julius Peppers and Terrell Suggs, and they weren't eligible until this year on Peppers. So it's not some big, like, oh, boy, should he make it or shouldn't he? He's right there with the whole gang of sack leaders. Uh, do you, mm-hmm. Yannick, think he'll get in this time? I think he... I think he will be this year. Um, you, you said it, the uh, sack list. I pulled up his resume. He's four-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time sack leader. I mean, what more could he do? That's <laughs> all there is. I mean, he has done it all. Um, he should he should go in this year. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm just a little bit more cynical because it's been such a no-brainer. To me, based on the numbers and then, you know, knowing him from uh, the show a little bit, uh, it should be a no brainer. This isn't like, you know, you're looking at it thinking he's on the bubble. It's so strange to me. So I'm cynical and thinking, God, they're not going to let him in this year either. Uh, But that's just me. 
All right, group, that 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 flew by uh, that time. Sally did not make it tonight, um, but we'll presumably talk to her in two weeks, which will, let's see, be getting on the doorstep of the conference championships, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Brian, you want to you want to see if Jared Allen will join us sometime this this calendar? Yeah, year? I'll reach out. Cool. I'll reach out and see if he's available. All right, guys. Well, we'll be back in two weeks to chat more about the Vikings offseason and start previewing some of the uh, looks like NFC title game and whatnot. You said two weeks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You guys take it easy. All right. All right. You too. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.